you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show exists to help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump into today's episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Quick little announcement here, seriously quick. Uh, We're gonna be doing the 100 day project as a community of creative pepperonis, you and me and all the gang. But I might have said last episode that we're gonna do that, that you're gonna do the hashtag the 100 day project uh, for the main, you know, following along with that, but also hashtag your project. If you're doing it with us, the creative pep talk pepperoni crew, hashtag one CPT 100 day no s at the end so hashtag CPT 100 day because CPT 100 days has a bunch of random posts that I don't really know what they're about and we're not going to own that so hashtag CPT 100 day let's get on the 100 day pro uh project together I will be doing it as well you can follow me at Andy J Pizza I'm going to be doing a creative daily devotional kind of idea where it's I'm going to be delivering some creative pep on a daily basis tailored to that specific day um, and that's what we're going to do all right so let's get into this episode all right my friends it's the last episode in the creative career path series I've been getting 
amazing feedback on the series and I super appreciate it. This thing is my baby. It's not the last you'll hear of it. I'm gonna have some stuff coming out, some physical products uh, and jazz coming out around this and I, and I just have a feeling it's gonna be a big part of everything that I do with Creative Pep Talk in the future, but this is the last episode of the series. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I've got mixed feelings about that. Um, if you are, if this is the first time you've put on the podcast uh, in this series, you should know that the Creative Career Path is a seven-step process that helps you strike the balance between business and art. It's supposed to help you get closer to that elusive sweet spot where you find the work you should be doing that people want from you. That's creative, creatively fulfilling for you and also good business, you know, making you money. And this process is supposed to help you make systematic progress on that path. Now, here's the thing about this series. It's kind of like Friends. Only there's, you know, there's no Gunther or anything like that, but but there it's kind of like uh, how Friends, you can watch an episode, you can pop in any season, any episode, any time, or you can go back and listen from the start and follow the Ross and Rachel tension right from the beginning. So you can do it however you please. You can get tons. You can, if you want to think about marketing your work, direct marketing uh, and evaluating whether you're on the right path, this episode will help you do it. Um, you can listen to this one first and then go back to the start of the series, however you like. But it's supposed to be kind of like a Friends episode where you can follow it linear or you can... Um, pop in wherever. So let's, let me give you a quick rundown of the creative career path up to this point. We are on step six and seven. We're going to cover the last two steps today, but I'll give you a quick little brief intro to uh, the, this, the series up to this point. So step one is to know your industry. Uh, step two is know where you fit within that industry. So if your gift is making pictures, you might be in the industry of illustration and within that industry, you've got to find a market in which your gifting fits into people like you. How do people like you with your type of gift earn a living? Where do they get their jobs? There should be a market that's set up that you can slot into. That's step two market. So industry is one market is two. Number three is niche. And that is within your little market how that you fit into, how do you stand out? That's carving out your own little niche because you can't go to this market and just offer the same things everybody else is offering and be competitive. You've got to have your own flavor within that market and that's your niche. Number four is your goal. So within your industry, market and niche, you define a target that is the metric the benchmark of success within the industry market niche. What is a perfect goal, a client that you could work for, a publication that you could be featured in, a record label that could sign your band. Within the industry market niche, what is the benchmark of success for that combination? That is step four. Step five is reverse engineering a project from that goal. So you take the work that uh, you would be doing to do that goal and you do it on your own. You build a portfolio that is tailored to uh, slay that dragon, that goal of step four. That's step five, making your project. Step six 
is then, once you're in the thick of making this personal work, step six is direct marketing. It is directly reaching out to entities in your industry market niche that you want to connect with and we're going to talk about how to go about that strategically, how to actually craft communication to those people in a way that's effective um, so that you can break into this industry market and niche which is the hardest thing is to have significant breakthroughs because they keep you out. And then step seven is analysis and we're going to get into that. So today is direct marketing and analysis. If any of those first steps that I just went over are still really fuzzy to you, you can go back to episode 170, which is the start of the creative career path and start there. But my guess is if you're going deep into the creative career path, then you're going to want to listen to these episodes more than once anyway. So feel free to just continue listening and then circle back. So this whole creative career path series, we've been using an analogy, a metaphor, a story, I don't know, a framework, some kind of narrative structure to work our way through the creative career path. And we've chosen to go, well, we haven't, you haven't had any say in it. I chose it because it tickles my fancy. It might not tickle yours, but you have to deal with it if you want this strategy, baby. If you want my strategy, you have to take my fantastical metaphors. And basically, I want you to imagine that you're part of a Final Fantasy crew or a Dungeons and Dragons party and uh, you've got your crew there with you and you're working through the hedge maze of your industry. So here's the idea. We enter the hedge maze of your industry. You find your crew. You know, this crew is a ragtag bag of... Uh, <laughs> people that, you know, you got your wizard, you got your warrior, you got your bard, you got your, uh, I don't know, whatever, archer. There's always seems like there's some kind of archer involved, but this is your team. This is your crew. These are the people you fit in with and uh, you figure out what your place is, your niche in that thing, your unique value. You identify the dragon in the tower that you want to head towards and slay. You develop this personal project that is your weapon that's gonna take down this dragon. And that leads us to step six. So step six. Step six is where you're a significant way through making a portfolio that's tailored custom to your industry market and niche. You're, you're, you've started working on your personal project. You have some specific tailored work to show some people and now it's time to actually attempt to break into the market by directly sharing this work, this personal project with people in your market. That means that right now we're outside the castle, baby. We're looking at this castle that houses your creative career path gold dragon and uh, there's a problem. There's a problem and if you've ever tried to break into a market, you know that they don't want you in there. They're not interested in letting down the drawbridge and saying, yeah, we love competition. We love when people come in here. We love paying people, uh, new people that are untested. We love hiring them. No, that's not how it goes. I know someone that's the, in the top of my field that wanted to break into a new market that uh, is highly sought after and it took this person three years to have this breakthrough and they're extremely renowned in their, in their uh, industry. 
So when you're breaking into a market, the better the market, the higher the castle wall, the deeper the moat, the, the bigger the gatekeeper at the gate, the troll that's guarding the entrance. And uh, that's why nothing is more important than breaking in. Once you've done some legitimate work in your market, you're in the castle, baby, and the dragon is within shot. But the trick is breaking in, and that's why this entire process is designed to create this laser precision to enable this breakthrough in your market to get you doing that legitimate work. Everything pretty much hinges on this moment, and, it, and everything that I design in this process is uh, designed to help you have this breakthrough and get through the castle wall. And nothing may be harder than this part. But I think that there's some strategies, some tricks that might enable you to find your way in. So step six is your decent way through the personal project. You're ready to start sharing it with potential clients or publications or publishers or labels or whatever. And uh, step six is marketing. And it's actually direct marketing. And, uh, you know, I'm talking about cold emails, cold calls, mailers, reaching out directly with the people that you want to work with. And, uh, and the crazy thing to me is when someone sees my career and they see that I've broken into the, the kids illustration market, I've worked in magazines, I've, I've worked in advertising, and now I've got the podcast and public speaking, all this, these different things, these different markets that I'm working in, they all want to know what is the secret to the direct marketing? What is the, how do you write the perfect email to get on someone's radar? Like what's the secret sauce? And I think I know what the secret sauce is, but it's not what you think it is. You see, because everybody thinks that these direct marketing, the mailers, the emails, whatever you want to call it, that that's marketing. But I'm here to say that here's the trick that you find along the path. Steps one through five. That's where the real marketing is done. That's where the secret sauce comes from. When you go to write this email to a potential client, it's like stepping out on the football field for game day. There's nothing else you can do at this point besides play the game. And the thing that is going to determine whether you win isn't where your head's at that day or what you do that day. It's what you've done before that day. It's the practice. It's watching the tapes. It's the strategy you came up with with the coach. That's the stuff that makes or breaks game day. And e writing that email is game day. And it's all the stuff we've done, steps one through five, that determine whether they're going to give a damn about your work. And here's what I mean. So, back in the day, step, uh, not step, I'm getting too steppy, too many steps on my mind. Episode 113, one of my all-time favorite episodes, it's about marketing. Uh, you can go back and listen to that. I talk about marketing being like a bonfire. And everybody thinks that marketing, good marketing, getting some heat in your creative career, everybody thinks that it's all about lighting the match. It's all about sending those emails that directly reaching out to clients. But everybody that's made a bonfire knows that that's really, yeah, that's part of the process. It's necessary. But the key to building a great bonfire lies in great kindling, the right TP structure, the right logs, the lighter fluid, all of the components leading up to lighting the match. And so, uh, 
you know, I'm calling this step marketing, but in fact, this whole process is designed to be good marketing because if you go into marketing, they're going to tell you that, um, you know, Ryan Holiday will tell you, you need product market fit, finding that place in the market where what you've got is in demand and tailoring what you've got to the demand, finding that place where, uh, what you've got is well received. And that's part of finding your industry market niche and positioning yourself right in the right place at the right time so that when you reach out, it doesn't fall on deaf ears. Okay, so <laughs> that is, uh, that, that's, that's the secret sauce. And if you do steps one through five right, you're going to be in, in a better position than you've ever been in to do direct marketing. Uh, because here's what happens. It'll enable your direct marketing succeed because when you've identified these points and this goal, you will create a project that is the perfect fit for the people that are uh, that you're direct marketing to, and it'll be a totally different ball game than the whole direct marketing pray and spray. At, you know, listing every possible target in your industry, sending thousands of emails and mailers and, and calls out in a non-strategic, haphazard fashion with no laser precision or tailored or custom emails for the recipients, and you're they're going to fall on deaf ears because the, because you're going to be saying. Uh, dear sir or ma'am or robot who may read this email and possibly have money for me to do art in exchange for. Like, of course, those emails are not going to pay off and you're going to be all quality. It's all going to be all quantity over quality and you're going to burn out and you're not going to see the results that you want to see. And this process is an answer to that. And next up, we're going to talk about the Death Star strategy. The, my suggestion for how to approach these emails. All right, so here's the strategy. I call it the Death Star strategy because if you're familiar with a, with a, a little thing called Star Wars, you might have heard of that uh, franchise. Uh, there's this thing called the Death Star and that's the bad guy's fortress and turns out that there was a weakness designed in the fortress. Long story. There's a whole movie about it. It's called Rogue One. And, uh, and there's a weakness to this fortress. And it's the only way to break in and, and take down this fortress. And in the same way, I believe the key to the hardest part of your creative career, which is breaking into these markets, breaking into this castle... Uh, the key is finding a weak point of entry. And how do you do that? Here's my suggestion. I'm going to, uh, you know, here's what I want you to do and or at, at least to walk through this exercise as like a thought exercise in your mind. Here's what I want you to do. List out, take your top goal. That's the dragon from step four. It's the summation of your industry market niche, the benchmark of success. If you're... Um, it might be working with the New York Times. Put that as number one on your list. And then I want you to write down 10 to 20 after that other clients that are perfectly in your industry market and niche. Perfect targets. And basically, as you go down the list, they should become, be, be becoming 
less and less known, less and less prestigious, but ultimately still within the castle walls. So you got that long list, and then I want you to focus all of your direct marketing efforts and really schmooze the person at the bottom of that list. You see, because of the people at the top There's a bottleneck. Everybody wants to work with New York Times. Everybody wants to get reviewed by Pitchfork. Everybody wants to work with Pixar, right? Like the person at the top has millions, thousands, however many, tons of people coming to them day after day saying, please, 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 please let me work with you. But the further you go down on that list, the less people that are contacting those people. And if you show those people extra special attention, they are infinitely more likely to let you through the door, let alone the fact that you've tailored custom work directly towards them, directly towards that industry market niche, which gives you even extra potential for the breakthrough. And so I'll explain how I've done it. So for me personally, back in the day when I wanted to break into the gig poster market, here's what I did. I listed out my 20 top favorite bands and I made sure all of them are people that were reviewed by publications, had creative, uh, critical acclaim. You know, they were, uh, they were, they were legitly within this castle of my market that I was trying to break into. And, uh, Instead of going to the top three and directly trying to market to them, you know, if you go try to, if I tried to work with Vampire Weekend or Modest Mouse, I was going to get stuck at a gatekeeper, someone, an agent or a record label that is, that I'm going to have to contact as an intermediate person and they're going to stop me from getting in the walls. But instead what I did, I went to the bottom of that list to bands that had legitimate followings, critical acclaim, reviewed by my favorite publications, but a fraction of the audience and therefore way less people were contacting them. And I contacted a few of those bands and they became my first gig poster opportunities. And once you see, they didn't have that as many listeners but they had just as much critical acclaim. And in the eyes of the people that knew about those bands, they were as legit as the big bands. And that is what got the ball rolling. Now, I suggest you you list out 20 of these things and you start directly marketing yourselves to the bottoms of that list first and write really custom-tailored strategic correspondence to those uh, entities. And I'm going to tell you exactly what I would say in a minute, but real quick, I want to add a little footnote. This process, the death star strategy was inspired by a process detailed by Shane Snow in a video called freelance strategy hacks. I highly recommend you go check that out. It's got tons of really great stuff in it. He talks about a similar process. That's a little bit different to my, to me. It's not as much finding a weak point as it is kind of, um, sidestepping entities in your market, um, but it was highly influential to this idea. And it, I was already doing this strategy with the bands and, and other markets, and he helped me put words to the things that I was doing. So you should go check that out. Super, super good stuff. Shane Snow, Freelance Strategy Hacks. I'll put it in the snow notes. Get it, Shane Snow, snow notes? I mean, show notes. I'll put the link in there. That's what I mean. All right, next we'll talk about crafting your message. All right, 
this is how I would send an email. There's plenty of ways to do it, but this is the way that I've, this is the way that I've sent my emails. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start with the bottom of your list and hopefully that list of contacts grows from 10 to 20 all the way up to 50 to 100 to 200 targets. And the, and the real key here is the precision, the, the laser precision of doing your best to find targets, clients, publications, whatever it is, squarely in the middle of your industry and market that lean towards your niche, your own unique type of work. And uh, you're going to see in a minute how when you write this email, if you have perfectly positioned yourself, you know, marketing is as much about position as it is art advertising, right? And so I almost said art advertising. That's what we're doing. Art advertising. Nice. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and I'm not cutting that out. That's because I'm not sorry. Uh, but <laughs> it. We think of marketing as advertising, but it's as much about positioning. And so if you have tailored yourself and your personal project directly to people within this targeted list, and then you go from the bottom where there's less people contacting these people, and you're spending time to cherish these people that are not as cherished as the people at Pixar, that are not as, as cherished as the people in New York Times, you're so much more likely to get to, to have this thing be well-received. So you take the people at the bottom of your list and you say, howdy, company, band, magazine, publishing house, whatever it might be, and say, you are my exact taste, or I'm a major fan, or I love what you're doing. Don't lie. Like, do the research on this thing to actually say something to say. If you are a major fan, say, hey, I'm a major fan. I have been a major fan for a long time. It's directly in my interest. It's, it's exactly what my work's all about. Or say, you know, I just discovered you and I love that article you did on X, Y, and Z. If it's right square in the middle of your target, you should have something special to say to them that shows that you're not just praying and spraying with your advertising, that you're not just sending out 3,000 emails and hoping that someone with a pulse will receive them and give you money for your arts. So say something specific about the fact that this is targeted to them and you really know what they do. And then say something about, I'm working on a project that might interest you. It, it's right square in the middle of the stuff that you cover. You might even say it's similar to the stuff you did on this or that content. Maybe there's something they've already done in their wheelhouse that's similar to the project that you're working on. And you send them a link to the project and you say, it might be, you know, if you're doing an Instagram project, it might be a link to the hashtag that's unique to your project and explain a little bit about the project. Say, you don't, you don't have to bore them, don't overdo it, but say, this is what the project's about based on the stuff that you guys cover. I thought it was relevant to, to you guys. I thought you'd get a kick out of it. Um, I'd love to work with you guys on something like this if anything that fits ever comes up. And you can check my other work out at andyj.pizza. That's what I would say. That's my domain name, but your domain name. Say, thanks for your time. Speak soon. Now, do you see how, <laughs> I got too excited. Do you see how this email that's custom tailored, targeted, that you've perfectly positioned yourself to connect with is infinitely more power 
powerful than just contacting 3,000 people with a non-custom uh, email that, that you're not really purposefully positioned to attack. Do you see how much more precision and power you have when you have a project that's exactly tailored to people like them and you can uh, target them directly and spend a little, a little extra time uh, writing these targeted emails because you are putting all of this investment in that direction and that gives you so much more potential and power to have a breakthrough than the old pray and spray advertising. So the last step, step seven, is analysis or analyze. That's the same word in different tenses, in case you couldn't follow that. Uh, <laughs> I just haven't decided if it's analysis or analyze. I don't know. When we put it in print, maybe, maybe we'll choose it. But essentially, it's you're looking over where the first six steps took you, and you're deciding whether to press on or to pivot. And I think, I honestly feel like this is the icing on the cake of the creative career path. Uh, and it is the thing that seals the deal. And it's the thing that causes you to go from uh, random possibilities of success to thorough, scientific, precision, and, and systematic, methodical. Look at that. Systematic, methodical, all these really serious businessy words but i mean it baby because here's the thing this part of the process adding this part is the thing that makes it go from uh you know just random trying everything trial and error or just just keep swimming arting where you're just arting over and over and just making 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 tons of stuff hoping that something will work out step 7 is the deal breaker that makes you go from Dory uh, to a shark, a science shark. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. But essentially, you get it, right? This is what I'm telling you. Here's what, I, what you got to do. This is the deal breaker. This is how you go from being, you know, one of these, uh, these apps in Silicon Valley that has a random idea. Th this is one of the things they say. They say, like, uh, if you're a venture capitalist and you're trying to figure out which app to invest in, the smart people, the people at the top, I've heard them say it over and over, you don't bet on the idea. You bet on the person. You bet on the founder. Because ideas, hypotheses, you know, guessing whether you're right for this market or that market or whether this project or that project is going to be the thing that breaks you in. Like all of those ideas, there's only one way to know their merit and it's to test them and analyze them and then keep going or change your course. And that's why venture capitalists they don't care so much that the idea sounds great because all ideas can sound great if you position them in the right way. What they care about is, is this founder uh, the type of person that's going to know when something's working and keep pushing through the hard stuff and know when stuff isn't working and change the idea of the app to something different. And the same goes for, it's make or break in your creative career to master step seven. And here's what you got to do. You got to, once you've gone through steps one through six, 
once you've done all that jazz and you've you've mar- direct marketed yourself to you know a hundred people and you've let the dust settle a bit and you're you know six months to a year to two years down this path, it's time to do step seven. And uh, I honestly think that it is the ultimate key to owning your own success instead of randomly winning the lottery. It means that you're never just waiting around hoping that this one thing that you put all of your energy into works out. And here's what I want you to do. You're going to ask yourself a few questions when you get to this stage. You're going to say, number one, creatively, because we're going to talk about you know, balancing creativity with business. So the first question is about creativity. Have I enjoyed the work that I've done with my project or any client work that's popped up in this market? Have I enjoyed it? Because a lot of times you think you're going to enjoy it, but you don't. <laughs> you think that, oh, wouldn't it be great? But then you're actually doing it and it's not so great. So ask yourself, have you enjoyed it creatively? Number two, in terms of business, what do I know that I didn't before? Is this market bigger and more exciting and growing faster than I thought? Or is everything crowded in a dead end and there's really no money in it? Number three, and the last question for, an, for analyze or analysis is what new information do I have at the end of this path that I didn't at the start? And this baby is the key. This is the key. And I'm sorry for singing about it. I just got overwhelmed with passion for the key. <laughs> and here, <laughs> so weird out of context. But here it is. This is the key, is that the whole idea of this whole process is to gather new information. Like worst case scenario, you're eliminating a possible path and you're, you're, you're getting further down the road. And you're, by doing the work, by trying something out, by deeply investing in one hypothesis, by connecting with all these clients, you are going to get a wealth of information about you and about the business and about the market that you can't get any other way. And when you're at the end of one of these seasons of doing the seven-step process, you've got to step back and say, what do I know? that I didn't at the beginning, and how does that influence my next seven-step path? Because the thing is, is it never ends. Let me give you a quick example of this, all right? I, years ago, I thought, you know what would be an amazing market to be in? The book cover illustration market. I'd love to do book cover illustrations. How amazing would that be? And I guarantee you, you've done the same thing a billion times where you look at a market, you look at people doing certain types of jobs and you think, how amazing would it be to be in that market? Right? But it ends there. Or maybe you take it one step further. You make one piece of personal work that's in that market and you're like, man, that was a great time. I just wish people in that market would give me a chance. And then you shift gears. Well, I did that and I thought, you know what? I should do book cover illustration. But I used this process. I reverse engineered a project where I did uh, new covers for books in the public domain and I put it and I wanted to make even bigger of a splash so I turned them into screen prints and it took me five of them. I had to do Alice in Wonderland, Moby Dick, Wizard of Oz, uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and I think there was one other one that I did. I did all of those book covers, and I made an entire project, screen-printed posters, you know, put money into this thing and time to figure out I don't read books. 
So this is the worst possible market and creatively I would hate being in this market and it's and I'm not the right fit at all. But the only way I could really have figured that out was by actively doing it. It's so easy to run around with your head cut off in FOMO, fear of missing out, thinking that there's some amazing market that you're just missing out on if only they just give you a chance and you try a billion different things, never, never really investing enough or gathering enough information or pushing enough into one direction to really have a payoff. And that's the power of the process and the power of the analysis. And I do read books, as you know. I just don't read a lot of fiction books for your information. I am pro-book. For all of you who are like, Andy doesn't even read books? What an idiot. Well, I might be an idiot, but I do read books. So that's that. That's the power of analysis, baby. So that is the creative career path, steps one through seven. And, uh, you know, thanks for going on this journey with me. I know it's kind of dense. It's a lot of information. I've been working on this process for literally years. I've written it out. I've worked through it with people. Uh, and it's jam-packed. And it's a lot for uh, a few episodes of the podcast. So thank you guys for all of you who have stuck with me, are diving deep. They're going to do the 100-day project. Uh, for for all, Man, all the people that have been out there sharing this with your friends and family that you think is going to, that you think could use the creative career path. Thank you for doing that. I'd love for this thing to gain enough momentum to create even more materials around it, you know, books and, and, uh, all kinds of other stuff. So thanks to all of you guys for doing that. And those of you are of you who are going to, um, keep doing it. So, you know, I call it the creative career path because I don't know if you know this, but the creative career path is dangerous. It's a path. It's an adventure. It's a journey. And it's only called an adventure if there's risk, if there's danger, if it's tough. It's why your parents didn't want you to be an artist because they knew that there were going to be some serious battles. And actually, one of the things I see um, from some people that are kind of in a position similar to me where they're giving uh, advice or helping creative people, and I kind of see them say, uh, sometimes things like, you know what, it's fine. You don't have to turn it into a career. You don't have to, uh, you don't really have to go on the journey. You don't really have to go on the path. Just have some fun, uh, you know, and, and minimize what you're doing to relegate it to Sunday afternoons. And that's totally fine. And it is totally fine for some people. But for some of you, you want more than that. You feel like you're here to do more than that. And I don't want to be the guide that comes along. I don't want to be the Dumbledore. I don't want to be the Gandalf. I don't want to be the Morpheus. I don't want to be the Yoda that says, you know what? It's fine. Put down the lightsaber. Just forget it. Go back to Tatooine and just chill, man. And like, yeah, the, the Darth Vader and his cronies and crew probably won't even get to your planet uh, in your lifetime. It'll just be your kids who suffer. You know, forget it. Just hang up your lightsaber because you know what? You might lose an arm. You might lose a hand on this journey. It's going to be kind of gruesome in parts because the truth is these people that have gone the path, they know there were times where it got tricky, where it got tough, where they risked things. They, they took leaps. They, you know, I in my own life, I've been in those situations, but I want to be the guide 
that comes to you with an eye patch and a scar on my face where the dragon fought me and took me down once and I got, you know, an arm missing and I got a cane and, and, I, and you don't know, you know I've seen some stuff and believe me, baby, I have seen some stuff early in my careers, career I, and I was risking it all to do this thing and I had a baby. <clears throat> you know, back in 2008, there were times where I had bill collectors calling me saying, hey, where's this? Where's the gas money? And uh, I felt the shame and I, and I laid down face down on the living room floor in pain and in depression and anxiety of what am I doing with my life? And I've had those moments. I've seen it. I've seen the risk. I've seen the adventure, but I don't want to be the guide that just says, you know what? It's going to be really hard. Just forget about it. Instead, I want to be the guide that says, yeah, it's a path. Here's the map. Here's where you're going to find the perfect weapon to take down your dragon. And here's why. Jim Carrey, I'm a big Jim Carrey fan, for good and for bad, you know, all over the map. He's, he's definitely human. We'll say that. And uh, I don't know how, how well the comedy's aged, you know. I haven't watched Ace Ventura in a long time, but big fan. And uh, he does this talk where he says that his dad really wanted to be an artist. He wanted to be, I think, in acting as well. And he decided to do the safe thing for his family and go into uh, an accounting and be an accountant. So he tried to do that and failed at being an accountant, ended up having to be a janitor. And Jim Carrey's takeaway was, you can fail at what you don't want to do, so you might as well give a try to doing what you want to do. And I actually think my ADHD has this weird gift in it. You see, ADHD, one of the big things about it is that anything you're not interested in is nearly impossible for you to commit to or do anything for. And it's just the worst. It just makes me look like the worst person. And so I knew from an early age, I watched my mom who had ADHD struggle to do anything, any job, any activity that didn't captivate her passion. And I knew that no matter how hard I tried, that that was going to be a part of my life. And the only real uh, path that I had was the creative career path. It was finding something that I was deeply passionate about. And what I found out was that passion wasn't enough. Is that you need passion time strategy. And that's what this process is all about. And so here I am. You're battered and bruised. Guide. I've slayed a few dragons. They've slayed me a few times. I've got the scars to prove it. And I'm telling you, it's going to be an adventure. It's going to be a journey. There's going to be some pain, but there's also going to be some wins. And I, I don't want to tell you to give up and just forget it. I want you to say, come on. Let's do this. This is your call to adventure. I'm stopping right now, dead in your tracks. Bring the passion, bring this strategy, and let's make it happen. Okay. You know, I hope this process helps you... Uh, get out of those situations where you feel like you're not doing meaningful work 
where you feel like you have uh, stuff in you that you don't know how to get out or you don't have opportunities for, you don't have time for. You know, this process is my best attempt to take this passion I have, this, I feel, you know, all of you that have the Sunday dread of Monday coming around and having to do, uh, spend the majority of your week pouring into work that you don't believe in. And while this stuff that's in you, this, um, you know, the, this potential, this stuff that only you can bring to the world lies dormant. And there's this obsession that I have with unlocking that stuff. You know, I meet these people. I have friends that are just the most amazing people in the universe. And they just haven't figured out the strategy to unlock how to get that potential out and do that stuff on a regular basis and provide that service to humanity with their creativity. And it just breaks my heart. It really breaks my heart. And actually, this path, this 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 process that I developed is straight from my heart, desperately trying to uncode the best way to approach your creative career. And it's my hope that this process unlocks some things in your life that nothing else has up to date. I hope that this process is something that enables breakthroughs that you never thought were possible in your path. And I know I'm getting emotional. I know I'm getting serious, but I want you to know that that's where this obsessive, uh, you know, pattern recognition and strategizing and, and, uh, codifying this thing into a process came from is how is there, how is there some way to have a map to, even in small ways, enabling breakthrough, stacking the deck in your favor to enable breakthrough for people because I've, I'm so desperate to see your brilliance out on the page, out on your plate if you're a chef, out on your album and for it to be the best that you've got and be the thing that we need. And I hope that this thing uh, helps you to get way closer than before you had these tools. Thanks for listening. If you love Creative Pep Talk, if it's something that means something to you and you want to uh, give back, say thanks, help out, um, there's a bunch of ways you can do that. One of the best ways, easiest, cheapest ways that really makes a difference is going on iTunes and rating and reviewing the show. Uh, it, it helps the show become more visible. And uh, even if you've never done it before, even if you're sat there thinking, yeah, I'm not listening to this garbage. I'm never going to review this show. I'm talking to you, man. Come on. I'm giving you this good stuff. I'm trying to give you my heart every week and you can't get on iTunes just to review it. Just give me a review. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't have to, but it'd be nice. Uh, you can become a patron, a Patreon. You can become a patron of the show and support the show by going to patreon.com slash creative pep talk. You can get some creative pep talk merch at creativepeptalk.com slash shop. You can access the first hundred episodes and, uh, and stay up to date with new episodes when they drop by following the newsletter at creativepeptalk.com. Here's the thing about the first hundred episodes. The reason why I put them behind the, the wall of the newsletter is because 
after making 100 episodes, I got better at what I did. And to all you completionists out there that have to start at number one, you're probably not even going to give 150 of them a chance before you decide. But I feel like my best stuff is coming out every week. I try to make it better, and so that's why. But if you're a diehard creative pepperoni and you want to get the old stuff and see where I came from, you know, three and a half, four years ago, whatever, go sign up to the newsletter and get those 100 uh, episodes. Woo! All righty. Goodness gracious, thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Nate Utesh and the band Metavari for some other tunes. Thanks to Alex Sugg for his hard work editing this podcast and adding some additional tunes. We love you. You're doing a great job, man. Thanks to you, the listener, for making this show possible. And I hope that this thing supercharges your system. I hope it gives you the NOS. Is that what it's called in Fast and the Furious? I hope it turns up the, the, your max acceleration to things you've never seen before. And when that NOS runs out, you know who's got the goods. I'll be back next week to fill your tank. But until, but until then, stay pepped up. <laughs>